This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So when I was four years old, I begged my mom to start teaching me how to play the piano. I was fascinated by what she did on the instrument. She studied music and she was the organist at our church at that stage, and at the age of 74, she is still playing the organ every Sunday, so I'm super proud of her. I want to be like that one day, I mean, serving in God's house all the days of my life. I want to be like that. So I was classically trained uh, all my life since I was a little girl. I, I played the piano, and, you know, I... I didn't have anyone who could teach me worship music because I was, I was in a church that was traditional. Like I said, my mom played the organ. We didn't have a band like we have now. And I, I didn't know worship music really, but I knew a few songs we did at SCA and I was, I was drawn to it. I was always drawn to, to worship music. And when, when I went to university, in the beginning of or middle of my first year, I started going to Shofar. And there I was exposed to worship. For the first time in my life, I, I, I experienced worship the way I always, I always knew that it, this is what it could be. But for me, it was a, a fresh experience, a new experience. We had a band and I could feel God's presence and I was drawn to it. But I was too scared to tell them that I want to get involved because I didn't think I could do it. And to be honest, I was really not ready. I was classically trained and worship. The way we do worship is very different to classical music. So I had a lot to learn, but I was drawn to it. And I remember the one evening we were, uh, we were having a small group at one of the hostels and we were trying to worship the King of Kings, you know, but it struggled because there was no instrument and we were just like a couple of girls and we were doing our best, but it really struggled. And then I spotted a piano in the corner. And I still don't know what I was thinking because, I mean, I didn't even know the songs. But impulsively, I started now playing because I'm now helping the worship to the King of Kings because it's really struggled. And I made an even bigger mess, in my opinion, because I didn't know where I was going and what I was doing. But the result of that evening was a phone call from the pastor's wife who was heading up the worship at that stage. Uh, I just got a phone call and she said, Sonica, I can hear that you, I, I heard that you can play the piano. Do you want to join the band? Just like that. No audition, no interview. I didn't even know that they knew about my existence, but now obviously they, they heard. I can, I can play a few notes, you know, and, and I had a choice in that moment to, to respond. And like I said, there was no audition. I just knew that they kind of thinking I can do this, but I knew that I couldn't. And, you know, she, she extended the invitation and I had the option to say yes or no. And I just knew that it was a window of opportunity. I just knew that I was drawn to something unknown. I mean, I, I knew music to a certain extent, but I didn't know how to be part of a band or to, how to do worship music, but I was drawn to it and I, and I knew that this is God's window of opportunity for me. And I said yes, but I didn't know what, what was waiting for me because they kind of, like I said, expected me just to know what I was doing and I, I didn't know how to do it. So what I started doing is I attended every Thursday evening's worship practice. I would just watch with the keyboard player and I would have my pages and I made notes 
as many notes as I could. And then I would go back to the hostel and then I practice on the piano in the hostel. And I would, I would just do what, what, whatever I could do to grow and to, and to, and to learn. I remember asking the key. I would go to the chauffeur office asking the key for the storeroom where they put all the sound equipment because back then we didn't have the privilege of just plug and play like we do it now. We had to set up everything, every chair, every cable in an empty hall. Some of you were part of those days. And, you know, the, I, I, I didn't, I had to get used to the keyboard. So now I would ask the key, I would go into like a little storage room, dusty storage room, and I would wiggle myself in there, and now I would practice on the keyboard because I had to get used to it. I, I remember walking an, a kilometer and a half to a to a music shop called Hoyer, for those of you who know Stellenbosch. I walked from Hastingbosch, my hostel, to, to Hoyer to ask the girl who worked there, she was in the worship team, ask her to play me the songs because no YouTube right, in 1995, I, I had to play songs that I've never heard before. I remember going to people, I would fetch my songs at the church office, all the copies, and I just looked at it and realized I don't know even the melody, and I need to play it on Sunday. So I would literally go to anybody in church that's been there for a while, and would ask them, could you please sing me these songs, because I need to play it on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what they thought about this girl, but, you know, it, it was a wild beginning, but I was drawn to something, and I just knew that I need, to, I need to pursue this. I need to break open, I want to call it the land that God has given me. I had to break it open. And fast forward 10 years later, now I've been in the team for 10 years, we moved to a smaller shofar congregation, less people in the team, uh, and they were desperate for somebody to lead the worship team. And once again, somehow they just thought, I have done it before, or I can do it, I don't know. But again, another invitation came. You know, and again, I had a choice. Was I going to respond with a yes or with a no? At, at that stage, I had a hectic job, a lot of overtime, you know, and I was just a normal church volunteer like you guys. So I had to decide, you know, would, would I be able to fit this in? Because now it's not only doing my little bit in the team. Now it is doing a, a, a roster. Now it's training new musicians. Now it's practicing the band. Now it's pre-meetings with the team. It's like a whole different role. And again, I just knew that this is a window of opportunity. I just knew I had to respond with a yes, even though I, I didn't feel qualified, even though I've never done it before, even though nobody really showed me how to lead a worship team. But I just knew that this is a, a land that I need to explore. You know, fast forward again, when we came to East London uh, in 2008, uh, my son was born, and for three years I wasn't part of the worship team. And you would not believe how difficult it was for me to get involved again. Now, this time I didn't have the excuse of not having experience or not knowing what I did. You know, I couldn't hide behind that excuse. But for some reason I was extremely intimidated. It was, it was as if everything was wanting to keep me hidden and silent and, you know, all kinds of, of, of things, you know, that, that the enemy was ministering to me, that the team is going to be fine without you and you're just going to interfere and what do you really want to do there and oh, all kinds of things, you know. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if, if we pursue the call of God in our lives, there will always be resistance. And again, I had a choice whether I was going to stay hidden I was going to, 
kind of just say, no, I'm a mom now, and, you know, my, I have a child, and, you know, my husband is the pastor who's going to look after the toddler while I'm in the team. You know, that was kind of the reason for three years why I didn't get involved. And I just knew I had to push through the barriers. I just knew that I, I have to push through because God has given me a land to cultivate, and now it's a new territory, and it's a new season, and there's new things I had to break through, but I had to do it. And today I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that when I got that phone call from the pastor's wife in 1995 that I said yes, that I attended every worship practice, that I, that I, I just did whatever I could to equip myself. I'm so, so glad that I said yes 10 years later to lead a worship team. You know, and obviously I made a lot of mistakes and I didn't really know at that stage how to do it. But, but in that process, God started teaching me something about church and about worship and about, about a team and so many things. And again, I'm so, I'm so thankful that I, that I overcame my, my intimidation. I faced my fears, you know, in 2011 to get involved again. Because it's something that God has given me to do, but I had to make the choices, right? I had to, I had to respond to invitations and opportunities. And, and I want to ask you this morning, have you ever felt unqualified or not good enough, not gifted enough? Or have you ever felt intimidated but still drawn to something? Something in you was just drawn to something and you, you feel, felt called to pursue something. What have you done with that something in you? Have you, have you kept it hidden? Have you stepped out? Have you responded to invitations? Have you made excuses? Have you ignored it? What have you done? Because I really believe that there's a call on each of your lives. On each of our lives, God has given us something. And it often just starts with a, a drawing or, or a, you just feel called. You just feel a desire. You just feel interested in something. And so often, we don't pursue that because we are scared or we are, we are unequipped or we are afraid or we, for, for some reason, we just don't take that risk. You know, and I want to, I want to paint you a picture this morning of so many of the Bible characters that we adore and we love and we admire. But, you know, we, we often look at their victories and we look at their accomplishments, but they were just normal people like you and me. You know, Abram was very old was very old. Sometimes we think we're too old to learn something new. We're too old to, to pursue the call of God in our lives. It's too late. Abram was very old. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. Moses struggled to speak in front of people. And I know many of you feel like that. You're just not that kind of person. You can't speak in front of people. Moses struggled. Gideon was intimidated and afraid. And God looked at him and said, mighty man of valor. You know, God wasn't intimidated by Gideon's intimidation. God was confident that there's something in him. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and he was a murderer. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. Elijah was suicidal. Maybe you feel that your, your depression or your whatever you struggle with is just, you know, you're just unqualified to pursue the call of God in your life. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. He was disobedient to the call. He ran in the opposite direction. He was disobedient to the call. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter, James, and John fell asleep while Jesus was sweating blood in Gethsemane. 
He asked them, guys, could you pray with me? Could you stand with me? And they fell asleep. Have you ever fallen asleep while trying to pray? You're not, you're not the only one. Martha was distracted and worried. Maybe you feel, God, I'm so distracted. I'm so worried. I'm, I'm so anxious all the time. How, how can you use me? How can I pursue the call of God in my life? Martha was distracted and worried. Paul was a persecutor of the church before his conversion. You know, there's so many Bible characters that we admire, but they all had weaknesses. They all had obstacles and vulnerabilities to overcome. And I want to read you a scripture in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God is not looking for perfection. He's not looking for the perfect person to to be called. He's not looking for for somebody with no weaknesses or no flaws or, or no challenges. Now, I want to read you a, a, a quote by Christine Kane. She's an evangelist, author, international speaker, really high respected in the kingdom. She says the biblical model is that God deliberately chooses imperfect vessels. Not by accident. He deliberately, he deliberately chooses imperfect vessels. Those who have been wounded with physical, emotional limitations, and then he prepares them to serve. And he sends them out with the weaknesses still evident. So God doesn't call us and then he fixes all our, our weaknesses, makes us perfect, and then sends us out. No, he calls us. And even if we still feel weak, even if we still struggle, even if we don't have all the answers and all the knowledge and all the capabilities, he sends us out. Because as we step out, he equips us. He often uses us in our vulnerabilities. Why? Because then he would get the glory. Then we'd, we would stay humble. We would stay pure because we would know this is God. This is God. And I know in my life, you know, God often uses me in the areas where it's not necessarily my natural strength. And then there's no doubt. You know, I, I know that I know that I can't do this without Jesus. And that makes for the glory of God to come. So God deliberately chooses imperfect vessels. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for availability. God's looking for availability, you know, for somebody to say, here I am, God. Send me. Send me. Pick me. Whether you're capable or, or equipped or not, he's looking for that. He's, he's looking for someone to say yes to the call. And I want to take you to the account of the prophet Jeremiah, one of the prophets in the Old Testament when he was called. So listen to this, Jeremiah 1. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. How's that for profound? Now, I want to I tell you this morning that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knew what your name was going to be. He knew what your, the color of your eyes would be. He knew you. He knew what you would be like. And then effectively what it says, before the foundations of the world, God knew about you. It blows our minds, but this is the truth. 
You know, God had you on his heart since ever. And he, he tells Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So it's not as if God waits until we get our performance right or until there's no sin or until we are strong and courageous. He says, no, I have set you apart before you were born. And this is what God is saying to you guys this morning. Before you were born, he has set you apart. Not, not even the day when you responded to him, when you said, God, I'm going to follow you. That wasn't the day when he set you apart, when he called you. He called you before you were born. He's seeing something in you long before anyone has even knew about your existence. And then Jeremiah says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for I'm too young. I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. You know, this is typical what we do, right? God calls us. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. And then we come with, no, God, I can't speak. And I'm too, I'm too this and I'm too that and I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm too sick or I'm too unequipped. Pick that one, Lord. She's really gifted and she's a leader. Pick that one, God. He is, he's, he knows, he knows you since he were, he was like three years old. Pick that one. I'm messed up and I'm confused. Why would you pick me? And God says, don't say that. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and I'll protect you. And then this beautiful moment, then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. So God doesn't only call. He doesn't only set us apart. He also says, I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to anoint you to do what I want you to do. You know, and so often we, we want to limit this to the church. You know, that there's an, an anointing in the church. But what, what, what about an anointing to be a teacher? What about a kingdom-minded teacher who will change the lives of our, our high school youth or our, our primary school youth? What about a, a, a doctor who's anointed for the task? A doctor who, who treats patients not only with the knowledge that he or she has, but with the anointing of God to know exactly what to do, to know exactly what to say, to pray for patients. You know, what, what about an anointing for business? An anointing to do business in a godly way, to treat your staff like Jesus would have treated them, you know, to, to show the way to show, to do business with integrity. What about an anointing to do business? You know, God wants to touch your mouth. He wants to anoint you for your call. He wants to make you a kingdom-minded disciple. But no matter what you do, no matter what your hands find to do, God wants to bless it. God wants to, to anoint you. So I feel this morning that God says, stop voicing your disqualifications. Stop voicing your disqualifications. So my question to you is, when are we going to believe that the God that lives in us is bigger than our mistakes, our failures, our weaknesses? You know, if he says, stop voicing your disqualifications, when are we going to stop? Stop believing that we are insignificant. When are we going to start believing that God is greater? You know, God says this morning, do whatever I tell you to do. So my question to you is, have you been obedient to the last instruction that you have received from the Lord? And it's not always a voice out of heaven. 
you know, you just know it's just a still small voice and God is guiding you and leading you with his peace, with a council of, of, of fellow Christians and believers. But the question is, have you been obedient? Have you pursued that thing that God has laid on your heart? Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel in a desert with God or in your relationship with him. Have you been obedient to the last instruction? Because that's where you're going to find life. If, if we walk in obedience to the call, this is where we're going to come alive. You know, God says, do not be afraid. My question to you is, have you ever done something afraid? Have you ever ignored the fear and just said, God, I will do this, even if I'm afraid? You know, I've been afraid so many times in my life. And if I have waited for the fear to be gone, I would have still waited. I would have not done the things that God has called me to do. If I've been waiting for the fear to be gone before I stepped out, I would have still been waiting. So our goal is not a fearless existence where we're never afraid. Our goal is to walk in obedience to the call, to be obedient, to respond to God, even if we are afraid. And I want to encourage you to do things afraid. You know, what, what I experienced when I did that, the fear became smaller and smaller and smaller, and my God became bigger and bigger and bigger, right? If we wait for the fear to disappear, we're never going to discover the big God that lives in us. You know, God says, allow me to anoint you for the task. My question to you is, have you ever asked him to anoint you for, for whatever you do, to be a mother, to be a wife, to be a dad, to be a father, have you ever asked him to anoint you or are you struggling in your own strength? Have you ever asked him to anoint you for, for music or for arts or for business or to work with orphans or kids or to show mercy to the poor? Have you ever asked him to anoint you, to give you that creative idea that's going to that's gonna last for generations? Or are we struggling in our own strength? Or, or even worse, are we hiding and are we running away? Aren't we even trying? You know, I believe God calls all of us. I really believe that each one of you is called by God before you were born. He set you apart for something specific, something very unique. But it's our responsibility to respond to opportunities and invitations. Amen? This is how it comes. It comes as an invitation. You know, when... When, when I got that call in 1995, Sonika, I hear you can play the piano. Do you want to be part of the worship team? I could have said no because I was really scared <laughs> because I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I had a choice to respond to that invitation. You know, all of us have vulnerabilities, obstacles, failures, but it's our choice whether we're going to respond by faith, whether we are going to to act and step out or whether we're going to stay hidden, you know, where we're going to voice our disqualifications. All of us have assignments. God is calling us for something. We can walk it out by equipping ourselves, stepping out, learning, growing. Or like I said, we can stay hidden or we can just give up. After the first moment of opposition or struggling, we can just say, okay, that's not for me. God, let other people do that. It's not for me. You know, I want to take you to a scripture in Isaiah 10, verse 12, that says, break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is a land that's uncultivated. So it's a piece of land that's lying there full of potential, 
but it's uncultivated. There's no seeds being sown. There's no harvest. There's nothing happening. So what God is saying, he says, break up your fallow grounds. Break it up, break it up, break it up. But then he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. You know, I was so blessed by the worship this morning because it confirms so many things that, that's been on my heart to say to you guys this morning. And the scripture says that it is time to seek the Lord. Not only to seek him, but to seek him until he comes and he reigns righteousness on us. Which means we can't just seek him for five minutes. We can't just seek him for a day or a week or a month or even a year. We need to seek him until he comes and he rains righteousness on us. And sometimes it, it, it takes fasting. It, sometimes it takes praying. Sometimes it takes endurance. But there's a land. God has given you a land to cultivate. And he tells you this morning, break it open. Break it open. I feel some of you have had major resistance in your pursuit of, of, of following what, what God has put on your life. You had resistance. You had opposition. You had persecution. And I feel that God says, do not stop seeking me in this area. Do not stop. Do not hide. Step out. Be brave. Keep on going. Keep on going. You know, in, in 1995, worship for me was a land uncultivated. Like I said, I was classically trained. So I was drawn to worship, but it was just a piece of land. And I had to break it open. Nobody was going to do it for me. You know, nobody volunteered and said, Sonica, I will give you lessons. I will help you to, to play the worship song. I had zero, zero invitations like that or offers. I just knew I had to break open this land. So that's why I just attended every worship practice. I'm like, I'm going to learn from you whether, you know, whether you like it or not. I'm just going to learn from you. I'm just going to go, you know, and I was, I was inexperienced. I was not the most talented or the most gifted, but I said, God, I'm available. I'm available to break open this land. Help me. Show me. So I remembered playing every Monday night. We had, we had Shava Bible School when I was doing my third year accounting at Stellenbosch. So we had a Shava Bible School started, and I played keyboard every Monday evening for two years. There was no rotation of people. It was just me and the pastor on guitar and another guy, it was the three of us. We were the band. And it was two years. And some people told me, Sonica, you can't do a Bible school. If it was a three-hour Bible school. So I had to arrive even an hour earlier to, to practice for the worship. So it was four, four hours out of my Monday that I couldn't study. And people said to me, Sonica, you can't do that. You, you, you're doing your honors in accounting. You can't do this. It's not wise. And I just knew I had to pursue the call of God in my life. I just knew that I had to make time. I had to study other times, but I had to make time for this call. You know, often I played for three services on a Sunday, two morning services, one evening service. And, you know, students go on forever. You know, I would walk out of church 10 o'clock, no jokes, often 10 o'clock at night because they just continue forever. And, you know, I'm, I just said to God, Lord, I'm available. Let's break up in this land. And I'm not saying... You guys must be here the whole day like I was as a student. I know you have life outside of church, and we respect that. But for me, it was a season where I had to break open my land. And 
I want to I wanna encourage you guys this morning. There are seasons in our lives when we need to pay a price to cultivate our land. We need to pay a price. We need to put in extra time. We need to make ourselves available. You know, and I'm so thankful. I'm, if, if I did not do that in the 90s, if I was not available as much as they needed me, I would not have reaped the harvest, I believe, that we are reaping today. And I'm so thankful for our worship. I'm so thankful for what, it, what God has given us. And like I say, I feel that we're still reaping a harvest of seeds that I have sown in the 90s. We're still reaping a harvest. And I believe some of you are still reaping a harvest of seeds that you have planted long ago. But now the challenge is not to stagnate. My challenge now is, is not to get stuck in the 90s. You know, back in the glory days when I played for three services and, you know, I need to move with God. I need to constantly and consistently pursue him for more of his presence in worship. I need to consistently and constantly ask him for rain on my, on my worship land because I can stagnate. I can, I can rejoice in my worship land that was cultivated in the 90s and now it's lying dormant and barren, you know, because I have a skill but there's no anointing anymore. So that is my challenge, and that is your challenge. If you've perhaps broken up a land, if you have worked your land and cultivated your land long ago, what is happening now? What is happening now in that land? Maybe God has given you a passion for kids, and you've been involved in kids' ministry for a long time, but now life is just busy. You know, life is busy. You've got other commitments, but there's that land God has given you. And the question is, Maybe it's time to cultivate it again. And I know there's seasons, right? There's seasons when we are more involved and less involved and, and put more time into certain things or less time. But the question is, what is God saying to you right now? What, what is he drawing you to do? You know, I, I just pray that we'll never stagnate. I'm just talking about worship, but I want you to make it applicable to any area in your life that God is calling you to pursue. I pray that we'll never stagnate in our worship, that we'll always see God for more rain, that we'll always pursue more of his presence uh, for a fresh encounter every time, you know, in worship. This is why we, we often just have spontaneous songs, you know, that's unrehearsed. We, we trust him for something fresh and something new because otherwise we'll, we, we're just rehearsing something that. That's been, but it's not necessarily fresh. And God can, God can put his anointing on any song, right? But we, our desire as a worship team and as a church is to see God move in a fresh way every time that we worship. And I want to encourage you when you come to church to have that expectation. Not to think, oh, I don't really like that song. It's not really my favorite. But to say, God, there's an anointing. There might be, just for today, there might be an anointing on this. And I want to receive it. Amen. So God has given you a land to cultivate. God has given you a land to cultivate. And my question to you is, how are you going to break it open? Do you have a plan? How are you going to break open your land? You know, as a church, we embrace the, the fivefold ministry. Andre often talks about it. We, we don't just focus on one aspect of the fullness of Christ. We focus on all five and we want to talk about it as often as possible because some of you are drawn to the apostolic. 
Some of you are drawn to the apostolic, to, to set the captives free, to, to, to pray for healing, for people to, to take risks, to trust God for the impossible. But may, maybe for you it's still an uncultivated land, something that you need to break open. Or maybe you have broken it open. Maybe you have planted seeds, but now again it's lying dormant. Maybe you've been on mission trips in the past and it, it brought you alive, but now you kind of, you know, you got busy or, you know, distracted or whatever. And now it's, it's, it's time to break open that land again. Some of you are called to be more prophetic. To give accurate prophetic words to other people. To have dreams that's got meaning, that gives direction. To hear God's voice. Some of you are called to become more pastoral. To make people feel significant and safe and special and valued. You know, to make sure that, that to, to empower people to become everything that God has called them to be. That's your heart. Some of you are drawn to the gift of teaching. Some of you are, are called to make a stand for biblical truth and to inspire people not only to be doers of the word, uh, hearers, hearers of the word, but to become doers of the word. That's your passion. You need to cultivate that land. You need to break it open. Some of you are called to become more evangelistic. Some of you are called to become more evangelistic, to impart your heart for the lost, to speak to people about Jesus, whether they want to speak about him or not but to share the good news. And often with these things, it's, a, it's something we need to unlock. It's there, but it's, you're not necessarily operating fully in that gifting because it's a land, but it's not cultivated. And I believe God wants to teach us, to help us to grow, help us to step out. You know, sometimes we don't even think we're apostolic or we don't even think we're prophetic. But when we are exposed to to people who are, when we're exposed to books and teachings and seeing our people do it, we are we're drawn to it. And that is why, why in, in that moment we need to say, this, I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to cultivate this land. I really believe some of you are called to business, to kingdom business. Some of you are called to music and arts and drama, to, to bring the kingdom of God in those, in those spheres of influence. Now, some of you are called to leadership. You don't see yourself as a leader, but God does. You're always comparing yourself to other people who are good leaders, and you think, oh, not me, God. I'm not a leader. But I feel that this, in this room, there's leaders. God sees you as a leader, and maybe you don't. But God wants to anoint you for leadership. He wants to anoint you for, for biblical, biblical and godly leadership. So how are we going to break open our grounds? I'm going to give you a few pointers, okay? I'm going to give you a few pointers, and I want you to, as, as I speak, just start asking the Lord, what is my land? What have you given me? What is in my hand? What, what have you blessed me with? Show me, Lord. Where do I need to cultivate? What do I need to work? What, what seeds do I need to plant? You know, so first of all, I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. Seek Him. You know, start praying. Ask Him for Ask him for invitations and opportunities. Ask him. You know, God needs to stir something in us. Like that scripture says, it is time to seek the Lord. It is time, it is time, it is time to seek him until he comes and he rains righteousness on us. You know, it is time to seek the Lord. Start praying. And then seek people with the same hunger, the same passion. You know, there's so many things that I've done in my life that I could not have done on my own. I needed friends. I needed a team. I needed 
people with a different skill set. And we came together, and ultimately we did something I would have never been able to do on my own. Seek people with the same passion, with the same hunger. Or maybe it's a, it's a different passion, but there's, there's, there's a unity, and there's an agreement, and there's something that you find in that person that you can, that you, you can be a team. You can, you can do it together. And then I want to encourage you to step up, to equip yourself. You know, some of you have guitars lying at home in the garage. I know it's dusty and this one string is broken. <laughs> when are you going to pick up your guitar again? You know, when, when are you going to start practicing again? We need more guitarists in the band, okay? And we need people who can teach the young people. I'll get to that now. <laughs> so it's not only about your gifting, it's also about imparting, helping somebody else to work their lens. You know, some of you guys need to read a book. And I know, I know you're going to tell me, Sonica, I'm not a reader. I'm a golfer. I watch cricket and things, but I don't, I don't read books. I'm going to tell you this morning, stop saying that you're not a reader. You know, God said to Jeremiah, stop saying that you are too young. Because if, if we want to grow and if we want to learn, we need to read. We need to learn from somebody. You know, the, the books I love the most are the books that, that I feel I get to know the person. I feel that I have coffees with this person. I feel as if I know this person. I don't, but I've read five of his or her books. And now I feel as if this is my friend. You know, this is my personal mentor. And this is what happens. This is the power of a book. It's the power of somebody pouring out his or her life into a book on, on paper, in words. And we have the privilege of learning from anybody, anybody, in every nation or any, any nation of this world, we can learn from anybody by reading his or her book. So I want to encourage you to, you know, to, to, to equip yourself by asking God, okay, Lord, this is, this is my land. Show me which book I can read. You know, we are so privileged today with, with YouTube and so many podcasts and channels. Like I say, in the 90s, there was nothing like that. There was nothing like that. There were maybe books available. But no, I mean, Andre trained himself to, to uh, edit, to do video editing by watching YouTube videos. Nobody taught him. He doesn't have a degree or he didn't go to college or whatever, university. He just watched YouTube videos. We have tutors and training, uh, people to train us at our doorstep. We are so privileged. The question is whether we are channeling our time and our focus and our, our desires in the right direction, you know, as God is leading us. Because we can also watch YouTube all day, right? And be on Facebook all day. Meantime, God wants us to channel that time to something very specific. Then step out. We need to step out. We need to step up, but we also need to step out. So... If Yvette asks you again to facilitate at one of the encounters, you need to ask the Lord, God, is this maybe a land I need to cultivate? Don't just say, sorry, I've got a deadline. No, sorry, my child is ill. Just ask the Lord. I'm not saying we should respond. We cannot do everything, okay? It's not what I'm saying. But you need to determine, is this encounter three coming up? And Yvette asking me to facilitate, is this maybe a land I need to cultivate? Is it? Because then you make time for it. You reschedule your, your week and your program and you, you get your husband to cook or, uh, good luck. 
that one. Or you, you get takeaways, or you, you simplify your life and you say, yes, I want to facilitate because I need to break open this land. I need to pray for people. I need to be there. I need to learn how to, how to minister to people. Say yes to an invitation. You know, like I say, if you're drawn to worship, pick up your guitar. Pick up your guitar. I just attended worship practices in the beginning. I was just standing, watching over the, the keyboardist's shoulder, making notes. That's how I started. And then start teaching others. This is, this is a really, really powerful one because it's when we start teaching others that our land will just ex- exponentially grow because we'll distribute the harvest to somebody else. And then there's no limit. I mean, you've cultivated your land, you've planted seeds, now there's a harvest, and now you can give other people of, of, of your harvest. You know, I was so blessed yesterday, Jono, one of our drummers, he spent time with our son for an hour and a half teaching him one song, okay? And Jono was just going and going. I, I was like, oh, goodness, this is an hour and a half. I don't know if Jan's going to survive this. You know, <laughs> I'm worried that he's going to tell me, never again, Jono is like never ending. And you know, when Jono left, Vian, Vian looked at me and said, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, he was just so energized. He was so inspired. And that's the way I started because I, I, I did one song. I learned one song and then I practiced, practiced, practiced for hours. And then I had one song I could do. Then there were like a million others I didn't know and I couldn't do. But I started with one song and I just saw that yesterday, you know, like somebody is willing to give an hour and a half of his Saturday to teach a 13-year-old. And, you know, I don't know what Jonah thought when he left. Maybe he thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to take a long time to get this, to get, you know, to, to do this. But... I was just so blessed, you know, by somebody who's cultivating his land, but now he's willing to help somebody else cultivating a land. How amazing is that? You know, and our young people, you know, Andre and I have been talking about it. We often say that our young people are the leaders of, of the future, but we need to start thinking of them as, as the leaders now. You know, we have so many, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have so many young people now doing you know, all kinds of things in big church. You know, at Kids Church, they talk about big church. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go to big church or I'm going to do that at big church. So <laughs> we are the big church. And they are now starting to explore so many things. You know, and for me, it's so awesome to look at our 13-year-olds and to, and to see the call of God upon their lives and to give them opportunities. I mean, maybe it's not what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, but to give them opportunities, to, to give them an invitation and say, look, would you want to try this? It's so awesome. So whether, whether you are 13 years old or whether you are 70 years old, you're not too young or too old to learn something new, to try something new, or to pursue the call of God on your life. And I want to speak that over you this morning. And then stop comparing yourself. That's sometimes, I think, the most difficult one because we don't want to step out because there's so many other people who are more gifted and more talented. And we think, oh, we are the least of the least of the least. And, you know, God, let them do it. Let them do it, God. I'm, I'm, I have lots of issues. That person is really, really sorted and holy and, you know, gifted. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If you're going to keep comparing yourself, you're never going to step out. You're never going to find that place that God has for you. 
And God is calling each one of us. And yes, sometimes I need to work a bit harder at something than maybe my friends. Because maybe he or she is naturally more gifted than I am. But it doesn't make, it doesn't disqualify me. It just means that I'm going to work my land a bit harder. I'm going to put in an extra hour, you know, to work my grounds. Where somebody else maybe need to put in an hour extra for something else that's easier for me. But let's not compare ourselves. I mean, God has got a call and a gifting upon your life. I want to read you a quote by Kerry Job, one of my favorite worship leaders, well-respected. She says, comparison will be the number one thing that keeps you from doing what God is calling you to do. He's put a gift and a call and a desire in your heart that is different from anyone else's. And you wire that way for a reason. You wire that way for a reason. It's different. Stop comparing yourself. You are unique. You are different. And God wants your flavor. He wants your voice. Because the way you are designed is is perfect to reach somebody that somebody else wouldn't be able to reach, you know, or to, or to, to bring a certain flavor or a certain dimension to the kingdom that other people would not be able to do because it's you. You know, God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your ideas. He wants to bless you and anoint your hands to do what he wants you to do. You know, I want to I wanna say to you this morning that Andrew and I believe in you. We really do. We often talk about the potential in, that we see in you guys, the potential, the greatness. You know, this is why we don't just have like a very strict, you know, only the elders pray for people. No, we believe that all of you, are ministers of the gospel. All of you are gifted. All of you are talented. All of you have something to give. And I, I want you to imagine the harvest. I want you to picture a harvest that can come from your land, cultivating your land. Imagine that harvest, a harvest of souls and of healing, a harvest where we become kingdom-minded businessmen and women, where we become kingdom-minded teachers, where we become kingdom-minded doctors and we become kingdom-minded people that no matter what we do we seek first the kingdom of God and then he adds things you know it's it's the one thing that is so true in in Andrew and my lives you know we've made a decision to seek first the kingdom of God you know and there, there was there was moments where I I didn't know what our financial situation was going to look like or I didn't know what what our future was going to look like when we said yes to the call. I mean, I, I worked for, for 11 years as an auditor, and then I joined Andre in full-time ministry. And that was a decision. It was a window, again, a window of opportunity for me that I've taken. I, was, uh, I have no regrets, not one moment. But when I made that decision, I had to count the cost. I had to say, okay, God, I don't know what what our financial situation is going to look like. Because for many years, I, my, my salary kind of carried us through. And I can honestly tell you that seeking first the kingdom of God is the most rewarding place. It's the most a, a, a rewarding position we'll ever find ourselves in. Because we have, we have received things that even with my big salary in the past, we would never have been able to do or afford. Or it is just God's, God's goodness. And it's not always tangible blessings. It's intangible things that you cannot buy. But when we seek first the kingdom, when we say, okay, God, I have a profession. 
I have a profession, but I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to seek your kingdom in the midst of what I do daily, weekly, monthly. I'm going to make you part of every decision. I'm going to make you part of every appointment. I'm going to make you part of, of, of every complex situation in my work. I'm going to make you a part of it, Lord, because I seek first your kingdom, and then I'm going to prioritize your church. I'm going to prioritize your body. Let me tell you, seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. And that all is, is wide and deep and high. Because we serve a God who is committed to his children. We serve a God who is committed to the faithful. So I want to encourage you this morning, church. Let's, let's break up our fellow ground. Let's cultivate our lands. Let's not be afraid. Let's stop voicing our disqualifications. And let's say, Lord, let's do it. I'm available. I am available. There's so much in you. And I just want to release it this morning that God, is, there's a call and there's a, there's a appointment, there's assignments on each of your lives. And my prayer is that you're going to explore it, that you're going to find it. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.